This is The Warrior's Cry, a podcast developed by the church for the church. Today, we have a great guest. Um, He's a pastor who has been a uh, uh, pastor for many, many years, uh, over 30 years. Um, And he is, uh, uh, the best way that I could explain it is he is my spiritual father. I started going to his church, New Covenant Church in Gastonia, North Carolina, in 2001, shortly after a very challenging time in my life. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, definitely a difficult time for me, uh, a time for a, a, of adjustment. And, and uh, Pastor John actually came alongside of me and helped me to grow. And uh, he began to disciple me at that point. Uh, taking me under his wing as his spiritual son. So I am so excited to have Pastor John here. So let's go ahead and get this interview started uh, because it is uh, a little bit longer than normal, but it is jam-packed with all sorts of good information. So stay tuned. Pastor John Pellinero here with me, and uh, you know I'm excited about having Pastor John uh, on the program today. Um, and just to kind of let you know, Pastor John is who I actually respect very dearly because he is my uh, spiritual father. Um, he kind of helped to raise me in the faith uh, from the very beginning uh, when I first got saved, about three or four years after I got saved, and I joined his church, New Covenant Church in Gastonia, North Carolina. So I want to introduce Pastor John, and uh, so Pastor John, go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, your ministry, and uh, what it is uh, that your vision is. Well, we've been here at New Covenant. I've been here. This is the second church that I've uh, started. Uh, I've been in ministry for uh, since 1975, uh, so been here a long time. This is uh, I've been at this church since 1980. Uh, or 80, excuse me, 85, so I've been here about 30, 31 years uh, as far as that concerns. So I've been a pastor for a lot of time. Um, I went to school, was going to be a professor in seminary, but God called me. Uh, back in 10, I got my PhD and, uh, and was able to, because the future vision of the church is that we'll have a Bible college and where I will steer step out of a senior pastor position to be over the Bible College specifically. Um, so um, our vision per se here at our church is real simple. Uh, it's to love God, to grow, and to serve. And, and that's what we want to do is keep that simple so that people from any age can understand the process, the purpose, and the vision of our church. And so that they love God and love people, that they grow in God, grow in their gift, that they serve God and serve people in the community, both local or wherever they go for Christ. That is what we're here for, and we're excited about that. And it's good to be with James. 
Well, thanks for being on the program. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule because uh, I know you've got a lot going on. And definitely really appreciate that. So um, real quick, just wanted to say, you know, before I get into the meat of the interview and into and, and the meat of our conversation today, um, back in 2001, hmm. um, when I first started coming to New Covenant in Gastonia, um, I had had a vision probably about 98, 99, sometime around that period, um, where I actually misinterpreted the vision and ended up marrying someone that was not correct. And I shouldn't have done it. And, uh, you know, I learned a very valuable lesson. Um, And so when I first started coming to New Covenant, Pastor John uh, pulled me aside and he asked me um, where my wife was at the time. And I told him that she was gone. And I uh, was having a very hard time, and I explained everything to him, and I told him a little bit about this vision. And the vision was basically simply, I was on a beach with this beautiful woman and walking down a, a beautiful beach, and I committed to her, and I said, I love you, Beth. I make an oath to you, Bethel. Um, I honor you, Elizabeth. And so, you know, when I had that vision, I thought I was supposed to marry a Beth. Uh, most people... Uh, when they see something like that, would automatically assume something crazy like that. Um, however, Pastor John actually sat down with me and he uh, interpreted the dream for me and said that I was actually making an oath to God to fall in love with the house of God, which is why the Warriors Cry exists, because I love the house of God. I love the church. Which Beth um, means. Right. Beth means house. Bethel means house of God, and Elizabeth means oath to the house of God. Um, And so, basically, that's where we're at. Um, Because of Pastor John, the warrior's cry comes about because he explained things to me in the very beginning, and uh, up until about five years ago, I didn't really realize what it meant. So, I really appreciate that, and, uh, you know, being... uh, honoring me with your presence today and helping me uh, with this as well. Um, so first off, I'm going to start with the foundational verse of the Warrior's Cry. Right. The Warrior's Cry foundational verse is 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses uh, 11 through 13. And it basically says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul not crucified for you, was he? Uh, Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So what does that verse mean to you, Pastor John? Well, I think uh, what you have to do is take Scripture in context all the time. Uh, Paul, of course, started the church at Corinth. uh, And in verse 2, he actually calls the divided church still the church of God Uh, and so it's not that it was not a church or was not a church of God but what it had in it was practices and errors that were not in line with the gospel and because of that he then takes that approach as did Jesus uh, in correcting error by presenting truth and so when he presented truth he just says these are not this is something off base it's not something that you do it wasn't uh, the issue of not people lining up behind a minister that they enjoyed. 
it was that they were segregating themselves from each other within the church. Now, there are sometimes cliques in the church, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, because uh, we do uh, link up with people that are of like heart. Uh, so I would say that, that Paul was simply addressing an issue, as he does further throughout the uh, book of Corinthians, issues that were practically or practical issues that were out of bounds and, and errors that were within the church, and he presented it with truth. And this, that's what he was stating there, simply a, attracting. He wasn't saying that they weren't Christian. He wasn't saying that they were necessarily bad um, because there were bad issues. Uh, people do bad things. Uh, that's why you have to have pastors and people that help correct that and that they grow in Christ. So that's my interpretation of that. All right. So, you know, what you're saying is that you don't feel like the division that Paul was addressing in um, that church was necessarily bad. It was just uh, uh, practical. It was practical for, it was for an error that they, they they got off base as they and if you read the whole book of, of Corinthians, he addresses problematic issues that were within the church, you know, uh, fornication, the eating of meat, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera, the Lord's Supper. Uh, so he addresses, and this is why it's called a pastoral uh, study, and because he was looking at it from the pastor's perspective, answering questions and problems that arose, which when I, what I teach my people is when they do find a problem, I tell them rejoice. Because now you can tweak that and make it better within the church. And that's what he was doing. All right. So um, first off, uh, you know, the next question I'm going to ask you real quick is, what do you feel, Pastor John, uh, what do you feel that God is saying to the church today? Well, I think what he's saying to the church today is what he's always said. I don't think the message ever changes. Uh, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the gospel message is the truth. And so what he does is he wants us to live by that truth and present the truth. Uh, I don't think uh, there might be uh, uh, cultural times of that, but it's all the same. I mean, I don't care what generation you came in or what time zone you're in or area. Basically, humanity is always the same. Uh, and so when we look at that, then if you look at the church, it all depends where you look at it if you're looking at the issue of the church. The church either is in crisis or it's in victory. Now, if you look at the worldwide church, uh, there's many victories. I mean, actually, in all honesty, the church is growing outside of the United States more than it is in the United States uh, and or, uh, the area or, or Europe. It's also uh, a place where there's a lot of exuberance. If you've ever been outside of the United States, there's revival taking place. But in America, here's what we're seeing in America. In 1906, 80% of the people went to church in America. In 1980, it went down to 40% of the people. And now it's less than 20% of people that, that are Americans go to church on a regular basis. That means that your children, when they go to school, that two or less of those kids uh, on a regular basis, go to, out of 10, go to, go to church on a regular basis. There is that crisis. There is also the crises of uh, American churches that are, are not even growing. There's only 6% of the American churches are growing. There are, there's an insurmountable, uh, insurmountable amount of pastors that are being fired on a monthly basis, 1,300 a week, a month. And then each month, 1,200 pastors are leaving the ministry. There's a lot of divorce 
now in the church. We, we've done statistical studies in our church, and pretty much half the churches are single, but most of the singles are from divorcees. So uh, I think there's a real crisis, but there's also some good things happening. It all depends what you look at. What is God saying to the church? He's always said, hey, we'll preach the truth. Uh, walk by the truth. And that's where our jobs as, as pastors, uh, as teachers, as uh, the, the fivefold ministry is to preach the truth because that's what sets people free. Okay, So that would be that, how I'd answer that question. So with pastors leaving the ministry uh, and uh, churches basically being divided by these pastors leaving because... You know, say a pastor gets fired and he decides to go and start another church, and then that splits that church and so forth and so on. How do you think that affects the well, church? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have that from time. There's, there's good splits and there's bad splits, okay? Uh, and I wouldn't call it necessarily a split. There could be uh, when it's done properly. I think the church should multiply uh, and grow. And the answer to evangelism is start more churches, Right. in all honesty. So I, I think when there is a problem in the church and it's, and it's done incorrectly, um, that is a problem. That, that which, you know, I don't mean to uh, use any foul language, but that's what is known in the Bible as a, a, a bastard ministry. A ministry that has been uh, birthed in an incorrect way. And so that can happen. Does that mean that that church is no good after a while? No, probably it's done in ignorance in most cases. And uh, people were not experienced enough to, to walk them through. Uh, if, if they were mature enough, they would have never done it in the per first place. So there, this, is, again, is an error and a practical problem that needs to be corrected by proper study and uh, understanding what the Word of God says. Right. Well, you made a comment earlier about the church outside of the United States seems to be growing. It is. It seems to be flourishing and, and having revivals. Um, I've, had, I've had friends that actually... Uh, all over the world in different ministries. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing um, David Jonas uh, from behind the Great Wall of China. Yeah, that's um, the you know, in a couple of growing in the world. Right. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing him probably in the next two weeks or so. And uh, you know, uh, in a conversation I had with him, he said, you know, there are various churches in China. There are Baptists and Pentecostal and all that kind of stuff. He said, but there are no schisms. They work together. Um, well, they, they, the reason for that, James, is that they can't have it publicly, right. so it's all underground. I used to live in New York uh, City, in New York, Long Island. Uh, just to find a Christian was a wonderful thing, you know. So, in mo and imagine going to communist China, where you actually could be killed uh, or imprisoned, you know, for such persecution. In that sense, brought positive results. Uh, and that has always been the issue with the church, even from the early church. When they were persecuted, the blood that drained from the saints' uh, veins grew the church. Uh, so the reason for it, it's not like America where they can go start a church. And uh, it was all underground. And so that's where it is. And so uh, their mindset is not like us where we have the overindulgence of freedom. And that's the American problem, the Western problem which I thank God I'm a part of, uh, but that's why that, that's happening. Well, and a lot of things that I see in the American church is that, you know, like for example, especially in the South where we're located at, mm -hmm. there are churches beside churches beside churches beside churches, churches on every single corner, mm -hmm. uh, churches on every single block. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I find interesting, and, I, and in a conversation I had with someone last week, 
They said that they go to a Baptist church and there's a Methodist church whose parking lot actually bumps up against theirs. Mm -hmm. And they don't talk to each other after service. They, mm -hmm. they don't even look so much at each other because mm -hmm. of the, the division that they feel in their church. And, you know, she was telling me that that breaks her heart because she feels like, you know, uh, the ministries that they could do together would be so much more valuable than the ones that they do individually. Um, you know, so... Uh, when I was talking to Pastor Steve McCraney a few uh, uh, interviews ago, he actually made a comment. He said it's really easy for churches to come together with social justice projects. You know, for example, soup kitchens and things like that. It's really easy for us to work together out in the community and things like that. Where it's not easy to work together as a church are things like baptismal services, communion services, things like that where... You know, we're actually sharing in faith, um, but working in faith is is a lot easier to do. What What are your views about that? Well, my views are, might be a little different. I don't necessarily, just because the church is next to me, have to go do things with them. Uh, I, I think uh, that we should be doing what God wants us to do. And so there, you have the question of calling. Uh, in that we have a lot of churches around our community. I would say have more churches I would say have them on all every corner if we could uh, Because the more churches the more people involved in the God you see the problem James is the church in America is declining We need to, to be focusing not on just getting in together But the making the main thing the main thing the Church of America is basically a me church instead of a them church and the problems happen when me is more concerned about them, meaning those who are not saved, okay? Those who are not in church. You got a community, again, you got less than 20% attending church. And then there's those who confess Christ, but we know that they're not, and they're not really lined up. So uh, as far as those, I, I know Steve, and I know a few others. I'm in the same town as Steve, but I haven't seen Steve, and I hope you're listening to Steve, for, for years, okay? Uh, so, um, you know, I would want to fellowship. I, I fellowship with the church down the street, with Vision Church. But they have their things, and we have our things. And as the church grows, it, sometimes that makes it a little more complicated to get together because you've got so many things happening in the church. I Like, for example, i got an hour with you. And then i got to get back and do things that we're lining up or doing. It doesn't mean that we don't want to do it with others. It's that that's how... You know, when you work at Verizon, you don't go down the street to the other Verizon necessarily. Work at that store uh, to to sell the product there. Same same thing. Uh, you're not selling Jesus in essence, but you're portraying Jesus to the community. Hopefully, they're doing the same thing. If they're doing the same thing, I don't care if they're next to me. Right. As a matter of fact, that's wonderful. You know, if they don't want to come over and fellowship with me, that I wouldn't be upset with that either. If they want to, I'm fine. But. Uh, I think what we need to do is keep on the track of spreading the gospel, reaching out. Uh, where I couldn't reach one, maybe that Methodist brother next to me will reach in that kind which I couldn't. Um, so th th I believe in diversity uh, to some extent and unity. Um, so I, that's my approach on that. I, I, if you look at the number, another thing is if you look at the Asian churches, the seven churches of Revelation, they were with one within one hundred miles of each, other, of each other and less, but they didn't come together necessarily to just be together to do things. Their mission was that which Christ said, go, preach, 
teach, disciple, grow, and multiply. And so that has to be the premise from which we have to go. Otherwise, we're going to be caught up in, like I think Steve said, in social issues, basically. Um, and that's fine, too. We do that. You know, we should do that. Well, what I'm talking about really is, like, for example, um, and I'll give you kind of a little background story, and I've talked about this a few times on the uh, podcast. Uh, a few years ago, um, Pastor Nick was actually encouraging men from our church to go and help a local Baptist church set up a tent for their revival. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, um, I decided that day that, you know, because the Warriors Cry, the, the unity in the body of Christ has been an important thing to me. I decided that day that I was going to be one of those guys to go. Well, I took my brother-in-law and we went. And uh, so we helped him set up the tent. And the pastor at that Baptist church walked up to me. And he looked at me and he said, son, what Baptist church you go to? And I said, well, I don't go to a Baptist church. And he said, really? And he kind of looked at me all perplexed and he couldn't figure out why I was there. And uh, he said, uh, he said, well, what church do you go to, son? And I said, well, I go to New Covenant Church in Clyde, North Carolina. And he said, uh, New Covenant Church in Clyde, North Carolina. He said, you know that that's a Pentecostal church? I said, yes, sir. He goes, you do know we don't agree, right? I said, but we agree on the most important thing, and that's Christ and him crucified, and I'm here to help you win souls. And immediately the guy kaffawed and just kind of looked at me like I had two heads uh, or something, and turned around shaking his head, saying something. I'm not really sure, but to be honest with you, that reaction fueled my desire for unity in the church even more because I want to see that more and more. I want the other churches to know me. I want other churches to know the various pastors and the various ministers, the various people in these bodies. Because in the church that you're talking about, the seven churches in Revelation, the Asian churches, everybody at each one of those churches knew about everybody. You know, because Paul, when he wrote a letter, he said, you know, um, well, they're, such they're, and such is going to deliver a letter to you, and you well, know this. they were the churches of John, uh, and so... Well, I'm were, talking about the Paul churches, Pauline churches, okay, okay. Um, where, you know, uh, Paul said, you know, I'm going to send this guy with a letter to you guys. Um, you know who this is. You know that he serves with me. You know that he does this, That's this, and this. That's a crucial point, right there, and, what you just said. You know who this is. You know where it's coming from. Uh, and I think relationship building is key, uh, which I think relates to our next question, I think, and uh, as far as relationship. Uh, relationship is uh, you have to talk with people, okay? You can't have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to. I'll be listening to this Baptist person who's probably a great guy, uh, good brother in Christ. Uh, again, due to uh, ignorance uh, and not being... Denominationalism has its good sides and its bad side to it. Being an independent church has its good sides and bad sides to it. Uh, you've got those. But it, the main thing is as we build our relationship with Christ, that's the issue. And therefore, that breaks down all those walls. If a person is truly on fire for Jesus and loves Jesus, that won't be an issue, James, as you know it. Okay. Now, whether I would want to go down the street to put up a tent for another person, I would probably not, <laughs> personally. I would if I if the people in the church wanted to do that, that'd be fine. Not because I did. Now I uh, I don't want to help. That's because I got a lot of other things to do than just going. There's my and that's a. I think your church is a thousand and running. Right. I'm not. So you have a greater number of individuals 
that would do that. But what if you're a church of 30 people? You might get one uh, that might be able to do that. Uh, the chances, of course, are less than in a smaller church where churches are struggling, which is a, a big problem with a lot of pastors. A lot of them are struggling. A lot of them can't hardly uh, meet the bills. A lot of them are closing up. Right. You know, so you have this issue, and I think... Uh, right. You know, my, my thought about that is, honestly, um, you know, we talk about, you know, God gives seed to the sower. And a lot of times when we talk about that in Scripture, we're talking about He gives seed to those who sow into the ministries and, and in terms of financially. Um, but, you know, the word that God keeps giving me on this is that, you know, uh, uh, Paul planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase. A lot of times, God gives us the opportunity to plant in other ministries so that, you know, someone else can come along and water it and help that grow, and, and, and God gives the increase. So, you know, the fact of the matter is that I believe, and, and whether or not the pastors from the various churches participate or not, I believe that it's imperative that we work together as a body because a finger doesn't work by itself. It has to have a hand attached to it. You know, the hand can't work by itself. It has to have an arm. The eye can't see anything without really hearing. You know, we might be able to see, but unless we hear, we have no context. Um, and, and we see that in Scripture time and time again, uh, you know, about the, the, the conversations about the body of Christ, the unity in the body, and all of that kind of stuff. And in fact, um, I'm pretty certain unity in the church has been mentioned at least once in pretty much every book in the New Testament which I find interesting, um, you know, because it, it, it's, it seems to be an overarching theme. And then we also talk about the Trinity. Uh, you know, we were talking about that before we started recording. I believe that we are supposed to emulate the Trinity. We're supposed to be as Christ is with Father with each other. So we're supposed to be united with each other. We're supposed to reflect God's glory, right? In, in, in my opinion. So, you know, I, I think when it comes down to it, I think we should be able to, uh, there are different types of visions and different types of rules and different types of things that we should do. And yeah, not everybody has the freedom to do what I'm talking about, um, what I've been talking about. Um, but I really believe that we as a body should be less, um, divisive and more inclusive. Well, I think the problem, James, is when we try to fix or add to the concept of unity from our perspective. We have man's idea of, of unity, and then you have God's idea of unity. Man's idea of uni uh, uh, unity would be maybe the ecumenical movement, uh, where we're all to come together and to uh, do that, or they could come together in some other means socially. Uh, all of man's approaches to unity fail, period. So we have to find out what is God's approach to unity. And God's approach to unity is real simple. The problem is that man's method always pr produces disunity. Just to have a large service, maybe like in a stadium where you bring all the churches together, is wonderful. But that's just a meeting. Okay? It doesn't mean that, uh, that that's the purpose of what we need to do. Of course, we need to spread the gospel, but I think there's more to it. Division remains no matter where you draw the line, because one's going to fall on one side and one's going to fall on another side. And even Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. 
He even said in, in Luke 12, he says, uh, I've come to bring division. He says, I'm going to I'm going to turn your fathers against the other mothers and the children against the fathers. And I'm going to bring division. Why? Because of, of beliefs. Some people were in error. Some people were in truth. So we got to find out what is God's view. And you, 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 you quoted from before at uh, one time, I think, from John. He said, let him make us one as we are one. Now, they were in unity from eternity past forever. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit came into a relationship. And they were always in relationship with one another in perfect unity. Now, in, in John, John 15, John 17, he invites us into this relationship of oneness. And that relationship of oneness, or to bring unity, is very simple. And that's it. Everyone should love God. They should love other people enough to learn, to preach, to practice the truth and oppose error. That's it. I mean, uh, to go any further than that uh, is what our division of it. Now, yes, if a person wants to go do a group foot down the street with somebody, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean they have to. Okay, it just means it's, be it's best that we should do that. What we should do is what God's calling us to do, and that's reach souls. Reach souls for Jesus. Reach out uh, to those. We started doing that this past year, back in May of last year, where we just took the new approach. We stopped becoming a me church. Uh, what do we want? What do we have? What's good for me? Uh, our type of what we want and become a them church. And in that, we started to see souls start coming to church. And so we started to grow. And in a year's time, we, we doubled, which is amazing. You know, and I'm excited. And we're continuing to grow, you know, because of that. So I, I think that the concept of, uh, as far as relationship, the first and most primary one that we have to have, and where all these people like the Baptist bro you're talking about, and they're, they're good people. Amen. I love Baptist people. I love them all. Uh, but the most primary relationship we have to have is, is our relationship with Jesus. Did you realize that most pastors on a daily basis pray up maybe a minimum of five to ten minutes a day? Come on now. What kind of relationship do you have by talking to somebody only five, ten minutes a day? Right. Okay? And they, and they wonder about these other... If they're not doing that right, they're never going to get any other unity concept right. Never. Because they're not walking in a spirit. Right. They're not walking in the things of God. So, you know, there has to be a daily time with God. And if that's not uh, implemented in the pastor, it's certainly not going to be implemented in the church. I mean, it's going to be less in the church. You know, most people don't even pray. And so we got these problems arise from lack of staying in the Word, lack of prayer, lack of practicing the truth. Well, and you made mention earlier that you said that Jesus came to bring division, to mm -hmm. to bring a sword. He did not come to bring peace, but to make war. Um, and, you know, the thing about that, that, that immediately, and I could be wrong in my thinking on this, but immediately I was thinking, what was he bringing division from? He was bringing division, uh, just from my studies and my thoughts, um, from the old ways, so to speak. He was dividing people from the, uh, uh, the the Jewish folks. He was hardening the hearts of the Jews so that the word of God could actually travel to the uttermost parts of the world because unless the Jews rejected, unless the heart of the Jews were hardened, the Gentiles could not have come in. You know, um, we find that in scripture multiple times. It, it says that, 
you know, it came first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And that in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Romans uh, chapter 11, it says, uh, uh, you know, has God forgotten uh, Israel? Certainly not. He only hardened their hearts to allow you to come in. So now that you have your fruition, how much more would their fruition be? Um, and, and so, you know, the thought that I have there is, you know, yes, Jesus did come to bring division from the, the old ways, division from, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, division from um, uh, trusting in the law and trusting in him, so to speak. You know, because the Jewish folks were trusting in the law for salvation. They were trusting in themselves for salvation when all the law was was a, 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 a basically a document to show that we could never be God was really what it was. Am I am I wrong in saying? Well, that? I think I think when uh, you have to go back to the original. Okay, go back. What was God's motive? Was the law bad? Absolutely not. Right. Uh, what was bad is what they made it. Right. Okay, and if he didn't come back just to turn people away from the word because they that what he was pre. Uh, Jesus preached in the Old Testament when he was here. There was no New Testament. He right. is the New Testament. Yeah. Okay, so what he was doing is turning people away from sin. Right. Okay, where I believe uh, that many of the uh, churches of America are the, the Pharisees of the New Millennium. Okay, and they have their legalism. They have their ide ideologies. They have their uh, concepts of unity. Uh, and in essence, say, well, we have it, and you don't, okay? The, the, the thing is, none of us have it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that's what Jesus came, because he came to preach against error, against sin, and against those things, and that's where there would be a division, because people are going to want to live their own way, but he came to preach truth, and the truth preached will set people free. Right. Okay. So I think that's where it was, and so that's where... In a family, for example, uh, where uh, one of the children might get saved, a Jewish a child, and uh, now he accepts the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and now is cast out of that family because of his beliefs. Okay, that was be he was being misled before, and that say there was no Messiah, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's what I believe that was uh, adhering to. It, division to me could be good. Division can be bad. It's all the you know. Love can be good, and love can be bad. It all depends. What do you love, and what do you say you don't love? Right. And what are you unity with, or what are you in disunity with? So right. I, that's where I has to. So that brings me to the next question. Um, what are some things in your view that bring unity and disunity to the body of Christ? Bring unity. Well, it's real simple. Uh, if I were to ask you, let's go, uh, you know, we talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit and you're a Baptist brother and didn't believe that, that wouldn't bring unity. Uh, but I would find those commonalities, like in the Bible is the Word of God, Jesus is the Savior, the second person of the Trinity, that he came, born of a virgin, and we go over those things that we're in unity with, and that's the truth. And then... Especially if you want to get people to really work together. If you ever ask the question at church, how many want to see people saved? Every hand will go up. So that's what Jesus sent us to do. To reach out to the lost and to disciple them. Now as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord, he'll help us. 
Okay, so I would, I would, I would ask if I would, if the, if the pastor came to me and I was to add to him anything, I would ask this question: Do you want to grow? Every pastor I would ask that question to would say yes, unless he, he's not wanting to, and he shouldn't be in ministry then. Uh, so the problem, James, with most pastors is not their preaching, and not necessarily their teaching. They don't know how to run the church. They don't know how to grow the church. I mean, where's cry? What's your building right now? I mean, you know how to talk. You know how to talk about subjects. But how, how do you build it? How do you make this thing grow? That's your biggest uh, accomplishment to, to achieve, as it is with mine. How do you make this church grow? So we have to find biblical premises to which Jesus, how did he build the church? And that's where you go to Ephesians 4. That, he, that there's the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are teaching the people to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I know that there are, there are good divisions and there are bad divisions in the church. And I, certainly, you know, the church can't unite with uh, a foot that may have gangrene in it. You know, mm -hmm. if, there's, if there's bad... Uh, doctrine that they're teaching, if there's bad ideas that they're spreading, certainly we can't join with them. But kind of my idea, what I, what I would like to see is I would like to see the body of Christ working together in a way that uh, exhorts each other as well as Christ, you know, so that we're actually working together in terms of like, um, you know, I want to create a group that uh, is in every church that basically is like a service group, so to speak, that we keep our ear to the track. And when we hear of a church that's just starting, that we go and help them park cars. Or if we hear uh, that there is a, uh, a tent revival, that we go and help them set the tent up, maybe help them run sound, maybe help them uh, be ushers there. Um, you know, what I would like to see is if we hear another church having a fundraiser that that group go over and help them raise funds for their church. If we hear of um, uh, a soup kitchen or whatever else may be happening in the community, that we reach out and we become one with them in their faith and to help them grow. Because I believe that's what the early church did. When there was a new church, Paul sent people to help them build that church up. Um, you know, Paul helped them uh, with with certain ministries. He would send them and plug them in different areas. Well, he would send apostolic teams. Right. These were not novices. Okay? No, no. These were not people just to put up a tent. Uh, these were trained disciplers. Okay. Uh, Titus, uh, Timothy, uh, and, and, and the like were trained by the apostle Paul, who was a master discipler. When he went into a community, it wasn't uh, nothing but to build a church. And of course, back then, they didn't have churches. They had what is known as house churches. So, uh, the, and again, the, the empire at that time was not too in favor of the Christian church. I mean, this was a new concept. So, then, so you have this persecution that came against the church. And persecution was a good thing. Not that I want to see it happen, but uh, it's a good thing in, essence, in a sense that it forced them to do that they probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Like the Church of Jerusalem. Uh, person came, persecution came, which is known as the Dispura, and they all were scattered except the apostles. And what did that do? 
that forced all those Christians to go out, which they probably normally would not have, and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There it is again. Spreading the gospel, reaching people for Christ, that's what brings unity. You know, and so nece not necessarily, now we, as the church grows, another thing we need to do is, is teaching the people to find their giftings. Okay? For example, James, you have a teaching gift. Okay? You have a teaching gift, and you also have a exhorting gift. Okay? That, and this propels you. This gives you your direction. The problems that many people have in a church is that when they don't understand the, the giftings and how they work together, they tend to see things specifically from their particular gifting view. That's where criticism comes in then. Why aren't you evangelizing? Why aren't you doing this? The evangelist says, why don't we go out and win? we got to win the loss. The apostle, who's an administrator, says, we need to structure this thing so we can get this organized. The teacher says, well, you know, they don't know what to do. So we need to teach them. So what happens if you don't teach the concept according to Ephesians, where it talks about our gifts and our things. And in Romans chapter 12, it talks about our gifts in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Then people get confused as to what they were, are supposed to do. And you go to most churches today, they don't even teach that. Right. They don't even teach what their gift is. Um, and so we have an upside-down strategy in the church. We have pastors leading the church, doing the work in the church. We have hired people doing the church. When, in all honesty, it should be the people doing the work in the ministry. They don't know what to do, James. And that's one of the biggest problems why you have these problems, because you have that poor Baptist pastor probably out there trying to do whatever he can to see his church do. He's probably so burned out that he sees these people come along and says, Who are these people? And they try to steal something that I'm trying to build, and he doesn't have that concept implemented yet. Okay, and so let's uh, let's say in the church as we grow, we have this group that are, are evangelists. They have this evangelistic gift, and they want to just help, and they want to go out, and they just want to see people saved. Their passion, as yours drives you for this, drives them. Okay, but if they don't understand how they work and congruent with the whole. They can become judgmental. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they seeing it like I see it? Well, what you do in that case is give them more information. Ephesians 4 verse uh, 16 says, in the Living Bible, under Christ's direction, the whole body at New Covenant, we put New Covenant, is fit together perfectly. And each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that we're all healthy and they're all growing because everyone has a part. Okay? You can take that the next step level, uh, next level up. You can go to the churches in a community, okay, where they might not, they might be feeling from one function of the church. Did you know that right now the main thing that Jesus is doing is praying for his body? Yeah, church, church is not a plan B. Church is not uh, some other thing. This is God's plan. And so, well, and church is also not the building. No. Church is the body. Church is me, you. Church is how we represent Christ in the community. Okay. And and so you know when it comes down to it, you know, and, and uh, you know my thought is uh, before I was saved, before I became a Christian, and and talking to people that are lost now, um, I hear this a lot. They're like, well, you know, 
how are you going to tell me how to live when you can't work with each other? You know, and, and I had that thought in and of myself before I got saved back a long time ago. I was like, you know, well, why are there Baptists? Why are there Methodists? Why are there Pentecostals? Why aren't they working together? If they're telling me that they've got it all together and that I, you know, and, and I, I need what they have, then why can't they work together? So now I know that that thought was immature, but there's a lot of people that are not saved that they think that way. I've I personally not met any, but uh, whenever I ask to uh, talk to a person that's not a Christian, uh, their biggest thing is they don't want to surrender. Okay. I, I was with a guy the other day, I met at Walmart's, and he was raised in a church, raised in a good church, and at the age of 17, his mom and him had a, a disagreement strongly. Kicked him out of the church, now 30 uh, years later, he's a Druid priest, okay? He's a Druid priest. Now, he didn't think about, when I talked to him, you know what his problem was? Uh, I don't believe God like you do. And his real problem is he didn't want to surrender to God. You know, so I think the unity question, if it comes up with individuals that are not Christian, that tells me that they're very close to becoming a Christian and they're, uh, and God is working on them, okay? Because there's such a thing known as the Ingalls scale. I don't know if you ever saw the Ingalls scale. It judges individuals as to where they are in reference to the, the, their, their gospel uh, account from, from not knowing anything to fully discipled in Christ. And that person, to me, James, is on the verge of considering. He's searching. Okay? You're he's, right. He's, and I totally agree with that. He's yeah. searching. So it takes many approaches. It actually takes statistically seven on average. It could take more, could take less. Where seven people, seven touches of how to get a person to come to the knowledge of Jesus. So that person's close. Again, let's get back to the gospel. That's the message of unity. And that's what we can all agree on. Right. Okay. So whether it's down the street that they don't, we don't have an event. That's fine. If we do, hey, that's great. That's like icing on the cake. You know. But let's preach the gospel. Let's get this town saved, and things of that nature. Well, we're coming up a little late uh, on this interview. Normally, interviews are typically between uh, uh, thirty and forty minutes, and I think we're rounding up to about forty-six minutes. So wow. this is going to be a little bit longer of a. Uh, an interview than normal. That's because so, we're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I, Pastor John, I really do appreciate you coming uh, on. And, you. and I will say, you know, uh, go ahead and take a few minutes to go ahead and plug uh, uh, your ministry. Tell us about how uh, our listeners can follow you, learn more about you uh, in, in this community and, and worldwide because we have listeners uh, as far away as Australia and Japan and and so forth and so on. So, you know, tell our listeners how they can uh, follow you. Well, uh, that first of all, I want to tell you out there that get out there and reach people for Jesus. I mean, that is the main thing for me. Uh, you might not ever come here. If you do, that's wonderful. You can visit our site at www.nccgastonia.org. Uh, we're in Gastonia, North Carolina. But the main thing is we are living in the last days. And the, and the message of Jesus has to go out. We need to train people to go out. We need to reach our community for Jesus. And then we need to develop the people that are within the church. Help them discover their gifts. Place them according to their gift. Help them grow. If you're a pastor out there, the main concern you have right now is, I want to see my church grow. 
I want to see my ministry so I can touch lives. And God will do that. And if you know how, there's biblical principles on how to grow the church. We didn't, I didn't know. I have, I have my PhD and I didn't know that until a few years. I had some concepts of it. But God put together a plan that we can follow step by step on how to see the church increase. And not just our church, but every church. God wants his church to grow. He's right now interceding and praying for you. So uh, you can log on to that site if you want to. Again, or it's www.nccgastonia.org. You can get in touch with me. I can show you and lead you to those places on how to learn that so that we can advance the kingdom in these last days. Thank you, James. Well, um, I just want to basically say, uh, once again, thanks for being on the program. And uh, as we wrap up this interview, thank you for listening. Um, stay tuned for uh, another segment that we'll be going into here in a few moments. So we had Pastor John Pelinero on our program, and uh, that was a great interview. We covered quite a bit of stuff, and we had a lot of uh, uh, time on that. So I really appreciate you actually staying tuned the entire time. So I had a couple of things that I wanted to call out um, real quick uh, out of the interview that I didn't have the ability of addressing while doing the interview. Um, and that was, we made comment about how Paul had sent out apostolic teams and they weren't novices. So, you know, part of my idea for the Warrior's Cry is to have discipleship and training and teaching of um, these, these teams to the point of where when they do go out, they are official apostolic. Uh, they aren't novices. Um, they are officially apostolic teams similar to what Paul sent out. Um, because these apostolic teams were going out to set up churches. They were going out to establish um, the kingdom. And as Pastor John and I were talking about uh, a few times, we should be all about the kingdom and not necessarily about ourselves. You know, um, he made mention of uh, the church today. We're more of a me church than a, a them church, and we need to become more of a them church. And I think in order for us to become more of a them church, we have to find a way to stand united together. So this concludes the podcast today. I want to finish off by saying that uh, the Warrior's Cry episode number five, Pastor John Pelinero, was brought to you by 434 Graphics. For all your printing and marketing needs, please contact me at 434graphics at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to help you with any and all printing and marketing needs that you might need for either your church, your ministry, your business, or whatever else you've got going on. I would love to help you, and I would love to hopefully help you save some money uh, and give you a really, really good deal uh, on what we're able to do. In addition to that, if you like this podcast, um, please give us a high rating on iTunes or whatever other podcasting app service that you use. I want to uh, try to get that review as high as I can so that I index higher 
uh, when it comes to people searching for this type of podcast um, so that we can bless others. So please um, review the website, give us a high rating, uh, and give us uh, you know props, so to speak. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Um, and you know, hopefully next week or next uh, time we actually have a podcast, we'll have uh, David Joannis on, like I was mentioning earlier in the podcast. And then after that, we'll have Dr. Michael Brown in June. So I'm really stoked about that. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And uh, once again, uh, may God bless you and keep you. May let his face shine upon you and give you peace. Have a great one.